0: proctoring any test today no 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 no. I still have my day my day's normal so I, I still have PE all day oh wow because I have lower school yeah yeah. so I have lower and intermediate and so we're yeah we we we're normal until Friday <laughs> so I don't get that yeah that's gotcha. the yeah I'm just gonna I'll leave it at that yeah okay. <laughs> I'd love to have finals I remember I missed that when I was in class oh I could do a lot of. Th- I could get a lot of things done when I'm proctoring finals but again you have to actually proctor here, but at the places I've been, you just kind of, all right, guys, <laughs> here's y'all's test. Right. <laughs> all right, I'd like to welcome everybody to another edition of Coach Starn's Raw. This will be the—we'll take a break after this with uh, Christmas holidays coming up. So, like last week, I, uh, I referenced this week that I wanted to discuss the— Probably my favorite game of the year, the Army Navy game, and then I want to talk about the bowl games. Give my my opinion. I'm not even going to say expert opinion because it's not. But I'm going to give my opinion about the bowl games, which I love bowl season uh, for a lot of reasons. I love seeing the different matchups and and again, but again, I'll get into all that in a minute. But and then we'll talk a little NFL football, which is crazier than ever. But let's talk about Army Navy first. You know, there's there's so much that's special. To me, about this Army Navy football game, you know, first and foremost, these young men are go to college. They go to school to prepare themselves, not just to further themselves academically and socially like everyone else does, but they also go there to prepare themselves to defend our great nation. And it's the 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 greatest sacrifice that these young men make, and and to watch them get this opportunity to have their stage this last weekend. Of regular season college football, they 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 more than deserve this opportunity, and just the the pomp and the circumstance that surrounds this game doesn't even do it justice. I think it's it's wonderful. It's it's must see TV for me every year. Again, for all those reasons, uh, but also as an option football guy, you know, I grew up a little by my background. You know, when I was. Young, you know, in high school, we ran the I. We didn't run a lot of option. We ran a little option. We ran trap option, a little speed option. But nothing true to what is true, like the wishbone or the flex bone or any version of the option, split back veer. Ran a little of that, but not not much. Um, so, you know, moving forward, my history, my background, when I was in college and I was uh, really assisting when my dad was the AD and, and coach at uh, C King, we in, we implemented the flex bone. It was really the first time we implemented the true option offense at C King. And so that's that was where my roots came from, and I just loved it because I love everything about it. I love controlling the game. I love controlling the clock. I love the fact that on a certain play, there's two players you don't have to block because you're going to read them. I love everything about it. I love the discipline of it. I love that it is able to take a defense that might be a lot better than you, might be a lot more talented than you, and it slows them down because they have to play assignment football. So it's if they have a speed advantage or any other advantage on the defensive side, running in the option slows them down because they have to play disciplined assignment football. And there have been numerous games throughout my career that we've been able to go out there, and we are terribly overmatched but we're able to win the game or compete with this other team because we run the option and because we're able to control the game, because we're able to limit their possessions on offense, because we are able to take away their advantages on defense by slowing them down, making them play assignment football. And if they make one mistake, it's usually touchdown. And so that's another thing that's a big misconception about option football. They say, "Oh, it's just a ground and pound." No, it's not. It's not the wing tee. It's not the slot tee. It's not the power eye. Option football is a big play offense. I remember when um, Paul Johnson, I believe it was when he was at Georgia Tech, they led the nation in explosive plays because that's what it is. If you make a mistake, then most of the time it's touchdown. If you don't, if you don't take care of your assignment, and so I enjoy watching this game every year, and so. The beauty of this game not only is is I love watching option football because I watch them every week, but now they're playing against someone else who also runs the option. So typically, they know how to stop each other. And so the, I see the, the chess match that goes on, and so I'm watching this. I'm sitting there, and I was actually in New Mexico, and I'm sitting there watching this game. And just watching the chess match take place because Army's better than Navy. Army comes in with an eight and three record. Navy's three and eight, even though Navy's been playing better of late. But Army is a little better than Navy right now. And I know, and I've and I've watched this game so much. I remember when Army, I mean when Army was not good at all, one in nine, one in ten, one in eleven, and Navy was good coming into this game. But now it's really it's kind of it's kind of switched. And so I watch it, and and it really was a was a big tale on what they did on defense. And in my experience watching these games when Air Force plays Army, Army plays Navy, Navy plays Air Force, whatever the game is, they typically play an odd front. And they tip, that means they have a nose guard. That means they have a, a defender right on top of the center on the line of the scrimmage. They have a nose guard. And they typically play their defensive, I call them defensive tackles, but now they call them ends. They typically play them in inside I fours or head up fours, and they are responsible for diving the B gap. And they play their linebackers tight, which really hurts the midline. So if they play those two 20 backers tight or 30 backers, whatever they're playing, if they play them tight, even though the guard, the play side guard, gets a clean release to that linebacker, if he's able to hold his position and come up and meet that guard, it's still limits the amount of space that the midline has. Because on the midline is when the fullback dives straight over the midline of the defense, that's right over the center, okay? Or they can run some sort of, we've we've modified it in the past where we run like an inside veer look where he dives at the playside hip of the center. If we're diving him in A-gap, essentially, it's that four technique, that defensive end responsibility to take that dive back. And when he does, if he does so or if he doesn't do so, then the linebacker is able to plug that gap and really limit the space that the fullback, even if it's a give read, so that four will come up, four, come up field, give the quarterback a give read, and the linebacker meets the guard in the hole, really limiting the space that the fullback has on the midline. We, and I say this from experience. I remember when I was at Kingwood, it was my second year at Kingwood, we were playing Clear Creek, and Clear Creek always had a lot of experience playing the flex bone because they did it when I was at Clear Lake. And so they saw it every year that's why they always wanted to play us and so they came out my second year at, 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 um, at Kingwood and they came out in this exact same defense and it was it was kind of crazy because they've always played an even front against us and then this year we had played prepared for an even front all week and we come out and sure enough they're in an odd they're in an odd with fours a nose and real tight linebackers to take away that midline because the midline was our best play and it also really hurt the outside veer as well. It was tough to run the outside veer because of the way well, they played their nine techniques. And it was really a good way. I mean, we were able to wear them down, and we ran some outside veer and, and popped a few outside veers that night against Clear Creek. But it was a real interesting way to play. It's the first time I'd really seen it playing that played that way with the linebackers really tight. So what that does, though, is it opens yourself up to to being defeated by the by the speed or zone option, which we did not run a lot at Kingwood at that time. We had to adjust to that during the game. But we were able to beat them, but it was a good way to play us. And same thing. And so I see it every time I see Army play Navy or Air Force play. This is typically the way they play each other. So back to my point, Army has the better team. So Army comes in and they play this exact same defense because this is what they're expecting to do this. They're expecting the Navy to get under center in their flex bone, typically in what we call a tight set when they're bringing their receivers in because it really helps set up the the toss and the outside veer and, and quarterback zone option. That's why they do that. So they bring those outside receivers in. So Army plays it the way they were expecting to play it. So how does Navy combat that? Because Navy I don't think is good enough right now to move the ball on Army, if Army comes out and plays that, that eagle defense, that nose and inside I-4s with tight backers, if they come out and play that, and the way they're playing they play their nine techniques, very tight for quarterback. The nine techniques had the quarterback. They play that, and and I don't think Navy was good enough to beat them. So what Navy did was, Navy comes out and starts mixing in the shotgun. And they kept it very simple out of the shotgun. Their primary plays out of the shotgun were two plays. They'd motion their inside receiver, and they'd run the zoom sweep, and they'd they'd pull the backside guard, so they ran basically like a power read off the jet sweep with the quarterback. And I couldn't tell if he was reading the area or if he was reading the nine technique, but what that did was it widened the nine technique, which is the quarterback player, and they were able to get movement on that inside I-4 with their tackle and they're pulling the guard, and the back is leading for the zoom sweep guy, and the quarterback's reading the area. And so the quarterback fakes to the zoom sweep guy, messes with him, and then he hits it in C-gap, and it opened up that C-gap. And so Navy had a, a big advantage there because it spread Army's defense out. And if they since they were in the shotgun, the quarterback was able to easy, easier, had an easier opportunity to attack the C-gap, which is what they did. They scored on quarterback draw. I saw them run power read. They scored on, but then also what did it, what I say earlier that it lended itself to, to to be susceptible to, when you walk those linebackers tight, it's tough to play zone option, and sure enough, they ran two plays out of the shotgun. They ran quarterback power read. I couldn't tell if it was designed if it was a read or a designed quarterback power off the jet sweep. They handed on the jet sweep, but they ran quarterback zone option, and that's what they had a lot of success on. And all it takes is three four yards, and then they're on schedule. Where you run in is when you stymie them for a one-yard gain or or a one-yard loss or no gain. Now they're they're off clock. Now they're off pace. Their offense is off pace because they're really typically not great at throwing the ball. But you look at what Navy had success doing. They had success running the zone option out of the gun, power read out of the gun. Then when they started widening their ends, then they would shift from gun to under center and run outside veer, which was great. That was a great little wrinkle. Every little wrinkle helps. So Navy was so well prepared because they know they couldn't just line up in their true flex bone and beat Army. They did a good job of keeping it simple but mixing in different formations. They had success on reverses. Even though the backside nine technique was there on both reverses, they had big reverses because they got a ball in an athlete's hand and he was able to make that nine technique miss. They also ran a big screen pass late in the game. Fake punt to Fagot help win the game. Navy did all the little things that it had to do because it was not the better team coming in, so it had to add wrinkles to its option game. Army comes in, and I was watching it again last night. Army comes in, first drive of the game. Navy shifts their front. So, see, Navy knows they can't just line up and beat Army. Army's better than they are, so they start moving fronts. They go from an odd. Then they slide to a shade defense. They slide to like a weak eagle look right there, and it cost them because they gave them an open A gap. And that three technique, when they shifted from their 50 to the when they shifted from their 50 to the eagle look, that three technique took the guard and the tackle washed down the quarterback player. And then it was off to the races. They were in the midline, just the basic midline. and quarterback went for 56 touchdown. First drive of the game. That didn't work. So what do they come back out in? They come back in basically out in a six1. So they put that guy in the A-gap, so now it really discouraged Army from running the midline again. So they get into a 6-1. So Navy mixed up their fronts, which typically they don't do. Usually they play a basic front against each other with very little variation, but but Saturday Navy mixed up their front and gave them a 6-1 look, which typically means you have A-gap players, B-gap players, C-gap players, which is typically a 2-4-6. You can call it Baylor if you want, but instead of Baylor, Baylor's where you have two linebackers. In this six-one look, it's, it's it's just a straight six-one. A-gap players, B-gap players, C-gap players, and you have that Mike right there, which I believe most of the time was Fago. I could be wrong about that. You had that Mike there right there that's able to run, and he's typically reading fullback, and that's what they did. And so that, but the problem is you have to be able to run zone option well, and I don't think they were able to run it well enough. And Navy mixing up their defenses really limited Army after that first big play on the midline. And so once they if, – if you get them that open A gap, we're going to run the midline. Option teams are going to run the midline to the open A gap. And if they know how to do it well, like Army and Navy, nobody does it better, and Air Force, they're going to run the midline. And that's what they did. You cannot give them the open A gap. You have to always take dive away first. You have to take dive away, take quarterback away, make them pitch the football, and then what it comes down to is on the on the perimeter you got to get off blocks. That's just basically how to do that. But Navy was able to combat that by mixing in the shotgun, but they kept it so simple in the shotgun. It's not like they put in a whole new shotgun offense. No, they ran zone option, basically, and with a jet sweep and a power read off of it with quarterback power. Very simple. They kept it very simple, but they gave Army different looks, and they were able to capitalize on those and make big plays in the passing game when they had the opportunity, the screens, reverses. And it was just came down to whoever made the biggest plays. And the fake punt right there, which was apparently an accident. The uh, Fago apparently was calling an audible, calling an overload set for protection purposes. And the, the deep snapper thought he was calling the fake and snapped it to him. And luckily, he made a play and won the game. Also could have lost the game right there. But just a special game. Love watching option football in every form. Um, so... Again, love the game. It was a great game. You can truly throw out the records in that game, and, and that that was that was evident on Saturday. But love option football. Love everything about it. Now let's move on to some bowl games. Some of the big let's go over some of the some of the bigger bowl games coming up. I don't mind gonna talk about every bowl game. There's so many bowl games. But some of the ones that intrigue me, you know, in my experience, because I, I like to watch almost every bowl game possible. They're so hard to predict, especially now with the portal, which drives me nuts. By the way, the transfer portal. So now players can enter the transfer portal, and they don't even have to transfer. They can just test the waters. I think this college football NCAA has to get control of this because I think, I mean, I'm not an expert in this area, but I think it could. I mean, I think it could very. I think it could severely hamper college football. I think it could severely affect college football in a negative manner. With this transfer portal, I hate this transfer portal. Sometimes, you know, you get you a good transfer. I mean, you know, sometimes, you know, it worked with, you know, Jalen Hurts had some success at Oklahoma after leaving Alabama, but he stayed with Alabama. He could have left during the middle of the season, but he didn't. He showed a lot of character. He's a coach's son. He knew how to handle the situation. And he transferred out to Oklahoma his last year. You know, there's 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 excuses, the Burroughs situation. That worked out well for, for Joe Burroughs. But most of the time, it doesn't work out. Those are just the success stories. But those are high-level players that are prepared to play. And you know, ironically, both those are coaches' sons. I'm not saying. I'm just saying that. Not that that. It's just ironic that that's both those coach. Both those uh, athletes are in the same situation. But, but I don't like it. I want a, a player to commit to a school and stay there at that school and ride it out. There's a lot of those stories that work too. But this transfer portal is crazy. And it, it just—I don't think it gets enough credit for the detriment it causes to college football. But uh, but I don't like it. I don't like it at all. Just a personal opinion. Um, <clears throat> but looking at some of the big bowls coming up, you know, you have the Lending Tree Bowl, <laughs> Eastern Michigan Liberty. But, I mean, there's— there's some interesting bowls. I mean, I, I like it for all these young athletes. It, it gives these coaches another time, more time to practice, and really it's preparation for the next season. And so if you're trying to predict a bowl, it's very difficult because you really have to know what team wants to be there. That plays the biggest part in it. What team wants to win the game? It's not always who's the best team. There's so many upsets in these bowl games because one team wants it more than another's. And I don't think that could be more evident than in like than the I'm not sure exactly what bowl game it is, but South Carolina's playing North Carolina, so let's look at that. Oh, the Mayo Bowl. North Carolina's a seven and a half point favorite. Nobody wants to be there more than South Carolina, though. They were so excited to become bowl eligible. Coach Beamer and his staff did a great job. It was such a big deal for them to become bowl eligible. Nobody wants to be in a bowl more than South Carolina does. But there's also very few teams as talented as North Carolina who's had a very disappointing season. So be careful in this game. Which team wants to be there? The only thing I think North Carolina has going for it is it's it's a Carolina rivalry. I know it's not the same state. But it's North Carolina versus South Carolina. That's a cool rivalry, I guess. I mean, I know it's not a rivalry game. It's not like North Carolina versus Duke or versus NC State. I understand that. But it's still North Carolina versus South Carolina. So I think South Carolina has an edge in this one because they want to be there. Those kids are going to play hard so and and also you have to look at it. certain coaches know how to prepare for bowl games and certain coaches don't they don't play it's it's all in what you put the value on the bowl game what's the bowl game for do you want to go there and win or do you or are you just using it to get young players experience and prepare for the next season so that's what it is is this a is this to capitalize or to to fit? How, are you looking at it to fit finish on a high note for your regu- for this season, or are you looking as at it as a catapult into the next season? Is it going to be used for you to prepare for the next season? And it's all how you look at it. <coughs> now, you know, outside of that, <clears throat> other bowl games that intrigue me, you know, outside of the New Year's Six, we'll get to those in a minute, Mississippi State, Texas Tech, can't wait to watch this one. And, like I said on this show, I'm a huge Mike, Le- Mike Leach fan. I think the air raid is the option through the air. I love everything that he does. And he gets to go play Texas Tech in the Liberty Bowl. I can't wait. I cannot wait to watch this game. Uh, Texas Tech, I don't know who they really think they are. They have not recovered since Mike Leach left. Uh, I think at Texas Tech, <clears throat> excuse me, it's one of those programs where you have to find someone that's special to Tech, even though I do think Coach McGuire is a great hire at Tech. That's a good hire. Uh, But I'm talking about right now. You have to find the guy that works for your school at that level, I think. It's not Texas A&M. It's not Texas, I'm sorry. That doesn't mean they can't beat at that level. When Mike Leach was there, they were at that level. But you have to find the right fit for your program and work like crazy to keep them there. Mike Leach was a good fit for that program in the way he ran his offense and just his style. That's all I'm saying. I'm not talking. I'm not even getting into the circumstances of why he was let go. And I'm not just. I'm not saying that was good or bad or wrong decision. I'm, I'm not getting into that. I'm strictly, I'm strictly referring to the X's and O's and the way the the teams run and in a football manner is what I'm getting at. The style they play is what I'm getting at. I'm not talking about the off the field issues or the way things were handled or whether he should have been let go. Or sh- I'm not getting into that because that I don't know enough about that to speak on that. I'm strictly talking about it from a football standpoint. <clears throat> but but that's an intriguing game for me. Oregon, Oklahoma, Oregon, Oklahoma outside of the New Year Six is a 14 versus 16 matchup. Two teams that were at one point talked about being in the final four. Both of them without coaches. So that, that that's also going to be interesting. Both of them without coaches, without well, without you know the previous coach has but has left with Cristobal going to Miami. <clears throat> so now, who's going to win this game in the Alamo Bowl in San Antonio? I have no idea. I I, I, tr- I truly think it's a toss up. It's gonna come down to what kids want it more and, and who's a little more talented and and so I, it's, it's it's intriguing. It's very intriguing. I think Oklahoma has the edge in this one. I think they're a more solid football team. I think they're a more tested football team. I think Oregon was kind of now comes in. I know they were kind of banged up, you know but but losing to Utah the way they did at the end of the season, twice, that's a big blow. and I, I think it, I think they they will recover from it, but I think it could take a little time to recover from that. Now let's look at some of the New Year's six games. Pittsburgh, Michigan State. Now this is this is interesting. I you know Pittsburgh, you know great Narduzzi does a great job, great quarterback play. Uh, it's you know with Pickett, being you know averaging three hundred thirty-two yards a game. What style is going to win? And you know you you probably you arguably in this game have the best quarterback currently in the in college football and the best running back. That doesn't mean they're the most talented. That doesn't mean they're gonna be the best NFL players. I'm saying, but in Walker and Pickett, you have the best quarterback and best running back in the in college. Which which style is going to win out? I love it. I love the I love the the matchup here. It's a tight line, which it should be. Both teams should want to be there in the peach bowl. Both teams, this is this is good for both these teams. I kind of want to see, I, I'm i very intrigued by this. I, I would give the edge. I always give the edge to being able to, if you look at this, I think the team that can run the football and play good defense is going to win the football game. So I would give the edge to Michigan State here. But, but again, either team can win this football game. If Pickett gets hot, Pittsburgh can easily win this game. Uh, I think it's going to be a great game to watch. Oh, Tax Slayer Bowl. Okay, now my question after yesterday is who's going to play quarterback for A&M? I know this is not a New Year's Six bowl, but it's of course important to me because it's AM. Who M. Who, who's going? Since Calzada is entering the transfer portal, which there has to be a little more there for that one. Uh, that's I, that was. I was kind of surprised when I heard that yesterday. But so, who's going to play quarterback for AM against Wake Forest? I want to know. Is is I, I don't know. Is Haynes is Haynes going to be physically ready to play, or is it going to be Boast? Is it going to be uh, who's going to be somebody else? I, I don't know. So I. I, I I, I'm not going to say one way or another on this game. I know Wake Forest will probably be excited to be in this game. They're an explosive offense. It's hard to simulate the speed of their offense. So a going to have all they want, but AM typically does real well in bowl games. You have to look at that too. They are really prepared to play in bowl games. I know they've. Gosh, we all, of course we always watch all of them. I, I know they've won. They might have won every one of them since Jimbo's been there. I know it's either or maybe they've lost one, but. But they they do a good job in bowl games. And bowl games mean a lot to them, and they want to win bowl games. All right, let's look at the, um, you know, outside of the playoff. We'll finish with that. But the Citrus Bowl, Iowa-Kentucky is going to be a great matchup. That's going to be a hard-nosed, run-the-football, physical matchup. I'm uh, looking forward to that. I think Kentucky's going to have the edge in that game. I think they just had the edge in athleticism and quarterback play. Uh, Notre, Dame, Oklahoma, Notre Dame, Oklahoma State in the Fiesta Bowl. Great matchup. Oklahoma State, great defense. Notre Dame's going to come in. I know they have a new coach, but I think that, again, like I said last week, that's a great hire. I think the kids are going to come in ready to play. I think this game means a lot to them. I think it's going to mean a lot to their coaching staff to set the stage. They need to win this game without Brian Kelly. I think it means a lot to them. Oklahoma State, how motivated are they coming in this game? Yes, it's a New Year's Six Bowl, but they were on the edge of being in the college football playoff. If they win that last game, they have a good shot to be in the college football playoff. And they weren't able to do it. I, I, like, I like Notre Dame in this game. I do. I don't think Oklahoma State is good enough offensively to pose a big enough threat for Notre Dame. That's my take in this game. I think Notre Dame is going to roll in this game. Utah and Ohio State. Now, Utah is a good football team, but they are Pac-12 good. It is all going to come down to, does Ohio State want to be there? Ohio State's a a team that champions themselves as a Final Four team every year. And with that huge loss to their rival Michigan the game, it is 100% going to come down to, does Ohio State want to be there? If Ohio State wants to be there, Ohio State's going to roll. If Ohio State does not want to be there, they are going to get beat by Utah. It's very, It's ironic. It's very similar to a few years back when I remember Utah was playing I want to say it was a Sugar Bowl. I could be totally wrong about that. But they had lost one late. They thought they were going to be in the playoff, but they had lost and they had to go play Texas. And Texas wanted to be there and Utah didn't. And Texas rolled Utah. So now this is vice versa here. I know it's the Rose Bowl, and this is a big game. But it's all going to come down to, is those Ohio State, are they motivated to be there? And then Baylor Ole Miss. I think this is a great game. Baylor Ole Miss is going to be an outstanding football game because I think both teams want to be in the Sugar Bowl. Both teams, yes, Baylor, but but coming down the stretch, Baylor didn't have I don't think a shot to get in the Final Four. After, you know these last two two weeks, but they had a chance to win the Big Twelve and they did, and they played a great game in the Big Twelve and they won. Ole Miss fifth, uh, fit, uh, sorry, Ole Miss finished on top. Big win against AM, Big win against Mississippi State. They are both rolling. This is going to be a great game. I cannot wait to watch Sugar Bowl. That's going to be a great game. I would have to. I mean, I I'd hate to have to pick this game. I know Baylor's a slight favorite, but goodness, Ole Miss is with. It depends on if Corral if Corral comes in and plays well and plays good, motivated football. Ole Miss, I think, can be, is going to beat them. I just I, I don't know if Baylor can handle their athleticism, but I but I'm looking forward to it. Now, the Final Four, which in the, you know over the past you know there's always arguments about the Final Four. Who should have been in? Should a And M been been in last year? Yes. I'll leave it at that. But the final four, there's no argument this year to me. I mean, it's Alabama, Georgia, Michigan, and Cincinnati. And in the correct order, and I talked about it last week. I talked about, oh, Alabama, they have an up-and-down year. Yeah, they've had an up-and-down year because they have to play in the SEC West every week, and it's going to be up and down. It's a beatdown every week. The worst team in the SEC West is LSU, and they are super talented, and they are a good football team with a good quarterback, they are a good football team. They are 6-6, six and six and they're the bottom of the SEC West. That says everything right there. It is a beatdown every week, and no one has had to run that gauntlet like Alabama has. And sure enough, they play their best game in the end, and they go beat Georgia, who didn't have to run that gauntlet. Georgia's schedule was not as good as Alabama's. So, but, ironically to me, evaluating both these teams, and I've watched a lot of these teams this year, Especially Cincinnati, Alabama, Georgia. I've seen Michigan a few times. I think it's good matchups for the SEC the way it worked out. Because here's here's my opinion on this. In the first game, the Alabama-Cincinnati game, Alabama has the athletic edge. I mean, and by that I mean the talent edge. There's no doubt. Alabama and Georgia's talent is, I think, better than everybody in the nation's. It's going to come down to... Uh, and Cincinnati's going to move the ball. Cincinnati with Ritter at quarterback and with their system and, and just with Fickle as an amazing coach, does an outstanding job. They're going to come in highly motivated. I mean, they're in the Final Four. Everybody's going to be motivated in the Final Four. But for Alabama, it's, it's, it's business as usual. And what I mean by that is they're, they're used to this. They're going to be prepared for this. Cincinnati's going to come in with high emotion. And that's good if things go real well. But when things don't go well, if you come in with high emotion, that emotion collapses, and you have these, these highs and lows. You don't want to be highs and lows in this game. You have to be able to roll the punches. And I think they're going to give Alabama some punches early, but if they don't find a way to get pressure on Bryce Young, they have no chance to win this football game. If Bryce Young does not have pressure, Bryce Young and Alabama roll. And by roll, I mean I'm talking 17 points. That's what I think. A 17 to 20. Because I don't think they're going to come in and just beat them 52 to 10 or anything like that. I think Alabama wins a 17 to 20 point game. Because since Cincinnati's a good football team and well coached, and they're going to come in with high emotion, those high that that emotion's going to help them, but it could also hurt them when it comes down to it when things don't if things don't start going well early. or if there's the ebbs and flows of the game really affect those high emotional teams. But for Alabama, who's tested, just like against Auburn. They were tested. They hung in there. They won the game at the end of the game. I think Alabama's going to get a lead, just kind of like they did against Notre Dame last year. And just like Notre Dame did, Notre Dame scored some and scored some late, hung around, but never was a big threat. I think that's what we're going to see here with Cincinnati-Alabama. Cincinnati's going to hang around, but it's never going to be a true threat, I don't think, to Alabama. Again, you, you you never know about these games. But that's what I foresee in this game. And the next one, I think Georgia's a nightmare matchup for Michigan. I mean, Coach Harbaugh has done an outstanding job. Michigan, great win against Ohio State. But what were they able to do? In a bad weather situation, Michigan ran the football. And they do it real well. But what does Georgia do real well? They stop the run. Was Alabama able just to run the ball? No. Best team in the country, Alabama, is not able to run the ball against Georgia. Why do I think Michigan is going to be able to do that? We'll see. In Georgia, these great teams, and we'll see how we'll see about Coach Smart, these great teams respond when they lose. They learn more from losses than they do from wins, and this is Georgia's first loss. So they should learn more from this than those other wins they had because they hadn't been tested all year. Now they come in and get rolled by Alabama. How are they going to respond? If they respond like I think they're going to, they're going to come out and they're going to roll Michigan. I'm talking 20 or more points. I think they're going to come out and roll Michigan because – they're good enough offensively. I was not good enough offensively to play with Michigan. Not even close. Not, it's not even close. They're not even close. They they can't compete with Michigan. They're not good enough offensively. Ohio State got in a bad weather situation. Michigan played good defense and ran the football. That's a good recipe to win. Great recipe to win. You run the football, play great defense, you have a chance to win every week, and Michigan does a good job of that. I just think Georgia does a better job of stopping the run. So that's my take on that. And then who knows about the finals? If Georgia and Alabama get there, I think we're seeing another 2017 game. Who's going to be on top? I don't know. But it'll come down to right there, just like when Tua threw that Burt and that cover two look and that safety didn't give over the top. I think we're in store for another game like that. But I'll be back on, I think, air before we before I get to predict that game and we'll know who's in that final game. All right, now let's talk about the NFL. There's not a whole lot I can say. It's like the same story every week, right? New England, like I said, in week three, is going to be better than everybody else because they have the best coaching staff and they they fit their talent around or they they work around their talent better than anybody in the league. Bill Belichick's greatest coach in NFL history. Been saying that since week three. Called it when I think they had a losing record that they're going to be there in the end, and, and I think they are. In the NFC, it's those teams. Last night, the Rams come in to Arizona now. The Arizona has lost at home to the Rams and to the and to, not to the Seahawks and to the um, and to Aaron Rodgers and the Packers at home. That's not a good recipe. That's not good. I don't know what's amiss there because they have talent everywhere. But something's amiss there. So I to, I still think I to, I still think it's Rodgers Brady when it comes down to it, especially with, with the way the rules are in the NFL now. The two best quarterbacks are going to prevail. Rams are going to be good. It's going to be those Final Four. Rams, Cardinals, Packers, Buccaneers. And the two best quarterbacks are going to win out. It's going to be just like last year. Rogers, Brady. Can't wait to watch it. Brady, best quarterback ever to play the game. In the AFC, Patriots are better than everybody. They're better coached and better prepared than everybody each week. They do not overlook anything. Weather, situations, person. There is no stone unturned every week in the New England office. They look at everything, they analyze everything, and they're prepared for every situation every week. They're the best in every aspect of the game. Not the most talented, but they're the best prepared in every aspect, all three aspects of the game. And then the rest is just jumbled. Everybody else is there, right? You have the Patriots, the Chiefs, and um, – and I know the Titans are 9-4, but I don't think they're. I think Patriots Chiefs. Right now it's Patriots Chiefs. Belichick, Mahomes. Belichick, Andy Reid. It'd be a great game. It'd be an outstanding game. Chiefs are playing well. Mahomes, I know he's going through some ebbs and flows, but all quarterbacks do. His mechanics are wavering right now, uh, but, but he's a great football player. Good coachable player. Super talent. I think, I mean, I loved watching him play. I think it's going to be Chiefs Packer, Chief Packers, Chiefs Packers, Chiefs Patriots. In the AFC Championship, nothing I've seen that nothing I've seen has has changed that. I think they're the best two teams in the AFC. And if Lamar Jackson comes back, I, I think the Ravens can have a little something to say about it. They're right now at what eight and five, but uh, he's supposed to play this week with the ankle. So that that was they missed a big, they sidestepped a big landmine right there with that this week. So I think he's going to be okay to play. But I'm looking forward to it. It'll play out. Go Eagles because my Texans. I know you I told y'all I'm an Eagles and Texans fan. Uh, the Eagles have a chance to get in. I think they're playing real well right now. I love the way Jalen Hurts is playing. I love the way they're playing. So I hope they slip in. Texans are uh, either going to get the first or second round, first or second pick in the draft. That's what it looks like right now. So very interested to see the. Uh, I want to see the Patriots Colts matchup Saturday night. All the great football on Saturday. That's the one I want to watch. Patriots Colts because I think the Colts are a good team. Wright does a good job. I think they're a they're a very good team right now. So I'm, I'm very interested in that game Saturday. There's some big matchups, but there's big matchups every week. But I think it's going to be I think it's to be Packers Bucks best two quarterbacks, and I think in the AFC best two coaches. Reading uh, Belichick. All right. Hey, I want to thank everybody again for joining us. Like I said, we're going on Christmas break. So I hope everybody has a great Christmas and a a wonderful new year. And I hope everybody catches a lot of good college football. We'll have a lot to talk about when we get back. Thank you all so much for joining me on Coach Starnes Raw. Can I say I I like it when you put that – Wrong. okay you do okay good I, I love it awesome i love it i need i need a catch i'm telling you brian brian and them are missing that with the uh uh what did i say uh oh, oh college advising rocks and playing that song <laughs> they they missed the boat on that it's okay yeah. see that's we'll take the stuff it. that they, we'll take it over. they need uh, exactly they need yeah. new year new brand that's what they need to do <laughs>